Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Common Sense with Dr. Ben Carson. I'm your host, Ben Carson. And, uh... We are so happy today to have a very special guest with us, Christine Yergin. She's a well-known pro-life advocate, a mother of three, producer of Students for Life, and founder of Be Their Village, which is there to help mothers with unplanned pregnancies uh, before, during, and after, providing all the various services that are needed and uh, furthermore, she organizes school choice activities. And that's so important in a time when there seems to be a dumbing down of our population and values and principles seem to be left out. Those are such important parts of learning. So, uh, Christine, it's great to speak with you again. And thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Let's just rewind a little bit and and discuss your journey uh, as a pro-life advocate. What initially drew you to the cause? You know, so I had my own unplanned pregnancy. I was 20 years old, and I like to tell people um, I was raised pro-life. I didn't really know what abortion was. Mm. I just knew it was wrong, uh, but didn't know what it was. And I I was raised pro-life and Christian, but I wasn't really walking with Jesus at this time. I was partying like I shouldn't have been. I was finding my worth in places I shouldn't have and uh, found myself pregnant. And it was one of those things where it was like, oh, wow, this is this is actually kind of scary and nerve wracking. And I didn't really know what to think. And so it was, I, I kind of was forced to see, are you going to walk out your pro-life beliefs or are you going to have an abortion. What are you going to do here? And um, I, I actually did take the plan B pill because uh, I get, I didn't know what that was. I just thought that that's what some people do. I didn't know it was an abortifacient. And um, it was two pills. And I threw the second one out the window because I didn't I didn't know what it was going to do. I was like, if I am pregnant, it just hurt the baby. Um, And I called the 800 number on the back of the box and they gave me an answer that was unsatisfactory. And I kind of just forgot about everything. And then turns out a couple weeks later, a few weeks later, I found out I actually was pregnant. And 
the father was not interested in having a baby. He said, that's not an option I'm willing to consider. And I said, well, you know, this is what I have decided and I'm going to walk this out. And if you don't want to be here, that's okay. Uh, but I'm going to do it either way. And then eventually he came back to me at another date and time and offered me a very, very large sum of money to have an abortion. I guess you could say bribed me, tried, mm -hmm. attempted to bribe me to have an abortion. And I, <laughs> I won't say any bad words, but I said, you can take that money and shove it where the sun don't shine. Um, cause these are my morals and my values and I've heard the heartbeat and his life is not mine to take. And that was kind of something that having that experience and realizing what it can feel like to feel alone, to feel pressured to have an abortion is really what made me feel called to get involved in the pro-life movement. Wow. And, um, you know, several years later when my son was a little bit older, I started dabbling in it and here I am today. How old is your son today? He's 15 now. Oh, Wow. And mm -hmm. tell us about him. What's he like? I mean, his is name is Noah. Out. He's, um, he's 15. His name is Noah. He's a fabulous student. He plays football. Um, he actually just started track. We did a track meet, uh, this weekend and nobody told me that track meets last all day. I had no idea what <laughs> I was getting myself into, or I probably wouldn't have signed him up for track. He is an avid reader. That's one of my favorite things about him. He's an avid reader. He has read your books. Um, and actually I have one of them right here, your created equal book, but your, uh, teen one as well. He has read and, uh, just, he loves, has such a heart for learning and he's one of the greatest things that has ever happened to me in my life. I look at him and think an entire human being would not be here had I chosen abortion. And that's just, uh, you know, so many people, they sit there and they say it's a meaningless bunch of selves. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, when you look at your son, <laughs> you know it's not a meaningless bunch of cells. And, yep. uh, and we all start out that way. It's such an important thing. Now, what, uh, I mean, you must have experienced the whole spectrum of emotions throughout all of this. What did you feel when you first heard that you were pregnant? You know, so my mom had her own unplanned pregnancy herself. She got pregnant with me when she was 20 and people also encouraged her to abort. She was with me when I found out I was pregnant and I didn't, initially I didn't really know what to feel, but she started crying and that kind of made me realize what was going on and not in the sense that necessarily a baby was a bad thing, but my life was about to change. I mean, you have a baby and your life changes and um, I remember that evening after my mom left my apartment, I watched the OC, which is just a silly teeny bopper show. And um, they were having a bonfire on the beach. And I was like, I'll never get to do that again. I'll never get to have a social life, which is totally garbage. I mean, right. I just was feeling emotional, but I felt fear. I felt I, I, like uh, that I didn't know what was going to happen, how it was going to play out. I felt excitement in some of it that, you know, I now have a baby inside of me that I'm carrying. This is my child. So it was kind of all over the place. You know, I felt almost a little bit schizophrenic because you're feeling a little bit of every motion going on. But it was it was definitely an interesting time. Well, what about after you made the decision that you're going to have this baby? What emotion did you feel then? Pure love and joy. I will say 
I did not know what the outcome with my son's father was going to be. I did not know whether he would choose to be involved at a later date or time. At that time, obviously, I was I was still pregnant, but I remember going to sleep and I would just hold my belly. Even before I was showing, I would just hold my belly and I would say, I'm going to love you enough for the both of us. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do whatever it takes for you to have a successful life. And just, I felt this overwhelming peace because no matter what was thrown our way, I now had a life to protect. Like my, my life now had even more meaning. It wasn't just about me anymore. It was about me and him. Absolutely. Which is the, the reason that God designed it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, you're in the safest place in the universe that you can possibly be in. And that is your guardian and your protector, the one who loves you, no matter who you are, no matter what you do. You know, that's a, almost a sacred relationship. And there are those who are trying to minimize that relationship and discount it. And uh, it, it really goes against human nature. But uh, beside your child's father, did you feel pressure from anybody else? Or anything? Yeah, I would say so. Um, I, I was 20 years old. So my friends were all 20, you know, we were partying underage in the club and they were going out and doing brunch and doing the bar scene and, uh, things that I shouldn't have been doing. And they wanted to continue that lifestyle. And I couldn't, you know, I mean, who, (laughs) I mean, I suppose I could have gotten in with the big belly, but that would be a little bit awkward. And, um, then once you have a baby, you can't really live that life anymore. You, have a newborn to take care of. So a lot of people, they kind of just went away, which is why I see what women go through. I know how it feels to feel so alone. Well, if you could uh, get in a magical time machine and go back and talk to your 20-year-old pregnant self, what would you say to her? I would say this is the best decision you will ever make in your life. 100%. And I would, you know... I wasn't married and I know that I'm a Christian now and I believe that sex is for marriage. Within marriage, God designs marriage and family very beautifully and intentionally, and it makes so much sense. But if I, people will say, if you could go back and do it differently, would you? My answer is no, because I know what I have out of it. I have a beautiful son who I love with all of my heart and it has brought so much joy to my life and I would never, ever, ever take that away. I'm, I'm so glad that, you know, what was a mistake in the actions that I was doing turned into such a beautiful relationship between my son and myself. And his father is actually involved now, uh, regrets the things that he said a long time ago, and he has him 50% of the time. So probably very proud of him, isn't he? (laughs) Yes. They have a wonderful relationship and, um, they're very, very close. That's a wonderful outcome. (laughs) for that story. Now, as your following on social media has grown, has Big Tech ever tried to censor anything that you've had to advocate? Oh, yes. (laughs) They, They don't like much of what I have to say, whether it's calling out Planned Parenthood or 
talking about even uh, parental rights or, you know, just what's going on in the world today. It's like, if you speak truth, they try to censor you. I actually did a post one time and I had tape over my mouth and I wrote censored on it because they were totally censoring my posts. I've gotten all the notifications. You're at risk of losing your account before. And I do, I take it a little bit easier now, not because I want to give in to big tech, but because I use my platform to do baby showers for women and my followers are who funds them. Like I can't lose these followers because they are quite literally the people who pour into these women. They're pro-life people who are like, tell us how to help and we'll jump in and help. Well, you've never been canceled though, have you? You know, um, a couple of years ago when I started doing the pro-life route, um, right before that I did kind of the mom blogging scene, which, you know, it's, talking about motherhood, talking about children, talking about products that, you know, you might want to buy partnering with brands. I partnered with Band-Aid, Oreo, uh, Costco, Tom shoes, you know, brand names that people have heard that are, you know, not small brands. And I, I partnered with some small brands too. And when I posted a post that I had a make America great again, hat on, and I have my two daughters in the post and they're holding up, you know, I vote stickers. When I did that, there was a gaggle of mom bloggers who went into every post that I had ever made, looked at every brand I had ever worked with, emailed them, told them that I was a racist, bigot, homophobe, Mm -hmm. sexist, misogynist, you know, whatever, all of the phobes that they throw at you. (laughs) And um, brands pulled out from working with me. They untagged themselves from posts that I had them in. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, at least at this point, I had their money, so that helped. (laughs) But yeah, I, I would say that kind of shot me into just going full-time pro-life movement because it's like, well, now brands aren't going to work with me because they know that I'm openly conservative. And so I took this route and I got a lot more bold and, you know, people are, people are really hungry for a bold voice. You know, it's not easy in 2023 to stand up for your beliefs. Sometimes they want to see people being bold. They want to see people that they can say, I think that too, I believe the same thing. And that's, I feel like what I was able to do for people who were pro-life. Well, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people just don't have that kind of courage. Uh, One of the things I discovered when I was running for president is the vast majority of American people think the right way, have values and principles, but the vast majority do not have the courage to stand up for what they believe in. And they'd rather stand in the corner looking at their shoes and hope no one calls them a nasty name. Yep. And, uh, and that's something that we're going to have to get through because, yeah. you know, you can't be the land of the free if you're not the home of the brave. And you know, your rights and all of these things will disappear uh, pretty quickly. And you look at some of the places around the world that have gone that route to totalitarianism and dictatorship. It always starts out like this, you know, mm-hmm. censoring your speech and saying, well, this is for your own good. Maybe you don't realize it, but this is for your own good. And we know best what's for you. And if if you don't speak up against that stuff, it just grows and multiplies. And it's a real problem. It does. It does. Even on, even on our own side with, you know, uh, I've, I find that even within the pro-life movement or being conservative as a whole, if we don't if we don't speak up, if we don't even talk to our own people about speaking up and holding them accountable, 
then we're like, what are we doing here? I mean, we, we have to be brave. And a lot of people will say, thank you for what you do. And thank you for being bold. And I'm like, there's room for everybody. Come on, like, let's all be brave and bold and I'll help you. So I'm very, very passionate about raising up the next generation, which I do with stu- help do with students for life. Um, the young people, because, you know, when I'm old and gray and in a nursing home, who else is going to do this stuff? So I really want to impart into the younger generations. Like we, we have to be doing this. Well, you know, the left uh, trying to tell women that they need abortions uh, because of autonomy. I mean, it's their body, their self, and uh, people are infringing upon their freedoms and what it's like to be a woman. How would you address the my body, my choice argument? Well, do we believe in science or do we not believe in science? Because if we believe in science, you know as well as I do that it's not just one body, it's two. But what I find is that with educating people on what the baby looks like, the gestational age, what abortion actually is, a lot of times they will tend to shift their mind because Dr. Carson, right now in classes, there's comprehensive sex ed going on and it is disgusting, it's disturbing, it is over-sexualized. They're telling kids how to have safe sex at 10 years old, which there's no such thing. Um, you know, 10 year olds have no business even learning about this stuff. And then they're told to how, how to have an abortion. They're not told how to parent, they're not told how to choose life, they're not told any of these things. I had a woman on my podcast who taught comprehensive sex ed for 10 years and kind of gave us the inside uh, view of what they were doing there and how disturbing it actually is. And so they're told it's not a baby. They're told, you know, they're, they're told nothing about it. I mean, Planned Parent has a video that shows what an abortion process looks like. And they say at 12 weeks, a baby's like this little dot that comes out of your uterus as you have an abortion. And so I find that so many younger, when we're speaking about the younger generations anyway, Gen Z or college kids and even early 20s who've been through this comprehensive sex ed courses, they don't know. They just hear these talking points. They read the headlines. They think it's a clump of cells because that has been pushed on to them for so long. And when you show them like, no, 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 no. Look, even at nine weeks, you can see a little baby with a head and tiny arms and tiny feet and a little torso. And a beating Yes, a beating heart. I mean, it is, you know, and, and actually that traumatizes women who do have take the abortion pill because they're not told that you might see, it's why they're told to flush things when it comes out because you might see a little tiny baby in there and, and women become traumatized from that. So when it comes to my body, my choice, I find that educating them and talking to them, you know, if they're debating and they're angry, you know, you're probably not going to get through to them. But if they're willing to hear you out and you can just say, why do you think it's your body? Like, at what point does it become not your body? At nine months, you know, are you okay with that? Or seven months, you know, are you okay with banning abortion after seven months? You know, kind of figuring out where they're coming from so you know how to address what they think. Um, Because oftentimes I find that they are just genuinely uneducated. And if, if you really want to have an impact on them, if they can stand to look at it, show them a real abortion. Yeah. On that ultrasound I've seen, screen, I've seen them and- when that uh, tube goes in there, and a lot of times the baby kind of tries to move away from it before it hooks onto a foot or a leg and rips it off, and then you see all the yeah. blood and gore. And, and that's just in the first trimester. 
Mm-hmm. And the second and third trimester, you can't do that because the tissues are too well formed. So you have to reach in with a forcep and just grab something and twist into and out comes a shoulder, out comes a liver. I mean, these are the kinds of things that really have a strong emotional effect, but the abortionists do everything they can to make sure that you don't see that. They don't want to see a little foot with toes come out. I mean, that's disturbing. Uh, when they don't even answer the questions either. I mean, you're a doctor. You know what informed consent is. I'm sure anytime you operated on somebody or whether it was uh, a child who could ask questions or, you know, couldn't ask questions, their their parents were asking questions of maybe you or your team, like, okay, what can we expect? What are going to, you know, what could side effects be? What, uh, what is the healing time? What, you know, you answer questions like that because you approve of informed consent. Like this is, this is just what we do. If you're going to have a surgery of any type, you should be able to know all of the possible outcomes, any side effect whatsoever, but they don't tell you that because it's not a good business model. Absolutely. Well, we have to take a short break. We're going to be right back with our fascinating guest, Christine Jurgen. Be right back. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. We are back once again. Common sense. You know, common sense is not very common anymore, is it? It's (laughs) certainly not in our capital. But we're going to cultivate it. We're going to water it. We're going to groom it. We're going to make it grow. And it's going to become common again in our country. Now, speaking of common sense, you know, the left is now making claims that men can get pregnant. That children can determine what their gender is. How is that in any way consistent with science? You know, I wish I had an answer. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just as confused as you are. I actually did an event yesterday and they were talking about a gender non-conforming shapeshifter who goes (laughs) and tells children, you know, that they can be any which gender, even in like elementary school. And I'm like, what? Okay, first of all, a man can't be a woman, and a woman can't be a man. 
but now we're throwing in shapeshifters. Like what is that? <laughs> like, what is a shapeshifter? It, it makes no sense. And the name of this show is common sense. It's like, I, I feel like I have common sense. I feel like I'm a pretty logical person. My brain can't even wrap around what they're doing right now. And I think a lot of it, you know, I know gender dysphoria is a real thing. However, I think right now we're seeing a social trend. People are doing something because it's cool to be a victim. It's cool to um, have something different about you. You know, being a white, straight person or just a normal human being is no longer, uh, you're seen as like an oppressor almost. If you're just a, a normal person, if you have something else going on with you, if you're trans or if you're non-binary or whatever the Z's, you're, they, them, you know, the everything that they say, if you're something like that, then it's like, oh, okay. You know, well, this, like, uh, I think Candace Owens calls it the oppression Olympics almost like, well, I have this wrong or I have this wrong. And, you know, it becomes this like almost contest. And, um, so I, I don't discredit people who genuinely have gender dysphoria. I think that they need help. Absolutely. And I don't think that affirming them and something that is not true is the way to help them. However, I do think TikTok and social media, it's doing our children a disservice because they're just seeing these things and it's being pushed, genuinely being pushed in schools. There was an art teacher here in Colorado who told students, art teacher, why are you even talking about this in an art club that, you know, if you don't feel like a girl, then you're not a girl Mm -hmm. to, to elementary age kids. And, And I'm thinking, what in the world? First of all, who gives you the right to talk to these kids like that, period? Right. And second of all, that's not true. I mean... Well, children are very suggestible. And yeah. children are also very curious. Yes. So obviously, they, they want to explore things. Just because a little girl puts on her dad's tool belt doesn't mean she wants to be a boy. Yeah. Because a little You're boy right. slips his foot into his mother's high heel because he wants to see what it feels like. Doesn't mean he wants to be a little girl. But if I you- painted my my son's fingernails at one point because he would saw mommy doing it. And, and he, I was just like, okay, whatever, you know, I'll just paint him if you'll stop asking me to paint him. And then I took it off right after. It doesn't mean he's a girl. Of course not. It just was something silly to do. It's kind of abusive. And, you know, yeah. I get asked this question all the time when I talk to people from other countries. What happened to you guys? <laughs> I mean, You're like, I don't know. I'm coming to live in your country now. <laughs> it's like we move over, make some room for me. I, I hope it's a phase. If it's just something we're going through, today. I know. And and we come back to common sense once again. I, I do think that there's a real chance of that, particularly with people like you who are willing to to stand up and take the abuse, but. Um, you know, I've been kind of fascinated, you know, the American Psychological Association, some of these various other people put out papers saying, you know, how after an abortion, you know, a lot of women feel relieved and everything is fine all of a sudden. Has that been your experience? No. And in fact, that's a flawed study. And everybody throws that study around. It's a flawed study. Many women dropped out of the study, mm-hmm. first and foremost, and it only goes to five years. Now, I will say, I'm sure there might be, if they were feeling pressure of finances or housing or finishing school, or my parents might find out, there might be an initial 
reaction of relief, right. but that doesn't mean that's the only emotion that they feel. That doesn't mean that there's not something else that comes at a later date and time. That doesn't mean that, you know, just because they felt relief, maybe even up till five years, that they don't at seven years, 10 years, not, uh, 20 years, start to feel some sort of regret. I mean, I have women who say that I had an abortion 50 years ago, and I still think about it every single day. And, and a lot of times they experience symptoms, uh, you know, maybe they become an alcoholic or they have depression or they become suicidal and they don't even really know where this is coming from oftentimes, but uh, it's in the abortion industry won't tell you that you can experience that after having an abortion, you can experience mis- mental issues, insomnia, you know, there's all sorts of things. Um, your uterus can be perforated. I mean, there's all sorts of things that can happen to you, but Uh, As far as like, you know, alcoholism and drug use, and sometimes that's what we do to mask the pain that we feel, and maybe we don't think to associate it, but I find that more often than not, women eventually say that they regret it. Um, I'm sure there some people exist that say they don't, but I also think that some people who say that deep down in their heart, I feel like they feel otherwise. Right. I agree with you. Well, interestingly enough, uh, you know, the abortion movement tries to say that they are the real pro-women people. Yeah. But which is more pro-woman, pro-life or pro-abortion? I don't think people actually stop and think about these things. They just, no. uh, you know, get on the bandwagon and start saying what they hear other people saying. Well, here's what I would say to that. It's it's interesting because we do Okay, let me let me start with this. It is very easy to be pro-abortion. I mean, you say, "Oh, you have a problem. Your parents aren't going to let you live with them. Uh, you don't have enough money. You're not going to be able to finish school. XYZ, you have an abusive husband. Okay, just go down to the clinic, you know, what they call a clinic, and we call it an abortion facility." Um, just go down there, they'll take care of it, and then your life will be better. And then you don't have to get up off the couch. You don't have to lift a finger to help this person. Pro-life people see that and they say, oh, you need, like housing is an issue. Okay, let's find you housing. And that takes time and effort and maybe even money out of their own wallet. And it it takes their own emotions to pour into this woman. Oh, you need groceries? I'm going to help you with that. Oh, you don't have anything for the baby? Let's help you with that. It is much more difficult. And I wouldn't even say difficult because I find so much joy in it. But it is much more effort to be pro-life because I don't know very many people who are like, oh, you're pregnant and you have these problems. Problems, you know, that stinks, just have the baby. Most people will give the shirt off of their back. And the baby showers that I do, I have women who have messaged me and say, uh, who want to buy something for the mom. And they'll say, this is the last $4 in my bank account. And I want to give it to this mom. Mm-hmm. I mean, just unbelievable generosity in the pro-life movement. And I've had people say, you know, here's $500 or, you know, we've done fundraisers for the moms and baby showers. And I find that most people will come alongside these women and do a lot more work. So is it pro-woman to send her to uh, an abortion facility to end the life of her baby and then right back to her abuser? Or is it pro-woman to come alongside her and say, you know what, I'm here for you. I'm going to walk this out with you. If you need me to go to your appointments with you, I will. If we need to go to counseling because you've had abuse and we need to get you away from this man, let's get you in a safe house. Um, for me, I would just say, come live in my basement. You can be here. Like there's a bathroom down there. It's a total little like apartment type thing. I would say that we are the most pro-life or pro-woman 
people. And when I ask people who are pro-abortion, you know, we do a fundraiser or something like that. And they're like, well, that's not enough. You know, $13,000 that you raised in weekend isn't going to change the baby's life or raise them for 18 years. And I'm like, you're right. Would you like to also donate to this woman who chose life of her own free will? Nobody pressured her. And if you are for choice, would you like to open your wallet and help us help her? And immediately they block me. They ghost me. They stop talking to me. Um, They don't want to help. They just want to say, you know, go have an abortion and be done with it. Whereas we are the ones who are willing to put in the work to see this through during the pregnancy and after the pregnancy. That's a good word. And we're going to be right back in one minute with Christine Yergin for a little more. Thank you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back again with our fascinating guest, pro-life advocate, Christine Yergin. And, um, you know, one question that comes up often, why is it so hard in this country to adopt an American baby? Why do people wind up going to other countries and adopting them from there? Because it's become a business almost. There's a lot of money involved. Um, It can cost upwards of $50,000 to adopt a baby. And Something that is a really good thing is that for every baby place, because, you know, they say foster care and they throw that out at you. And I want to be clear, adoption and foster care are two very different things. They're not the same. Um, Adoption is somebody who places their baby and decides to make a life plan for their baby and allow another family to raise them and give them the life that they don't think that they can. And for every baby place for adoption, there are 36 hopeful couples. So when you say that there's not going to be people adopting these babies, no, there are. And there aren't even enough babies to be adopted by all the people who want to adopt. Um, So there's this long line. It can take two years to adopt. And it costs a lot of money. I mean, I don't have $50,000. I mean, I would adopt any day, any baby, like drop them off my doorstep, I'll take them. Um, But I don't have $50,000 to just like plop down at one time and and say, I mean, I would have to do a fundraiser for myself if I was going to need to spend that kind of money for adoption. So I think in other areas, there are more babies and there are well be people willing to adopt. And I think the cost is is less in other areas. Um, But I do see that there is this desire 
And there are so many families who do want to adopt and they do want to give homes to these babies. So there is never going to be, you know, a, a plethora of babies here in the United States who are unadopted because the families yeah. are out there and they want to have these children and give them a good life and, and have babies in their, in their home. I mean, yeah. it's, it's something that is beautiful to see, but I hope, I wish that we could defund Planned Parenthood and fund adoption. I mean, that would be my dream is <laughs> let's take the money away from the abortion crazies right. and let's give it to the people who are life giving and life affirming and who are helping these, these children go to homes. Well, I want to encourage our listeners to talk to the legislators in your area because we need some major concentration on making adoption something that's much easier to do in this country. Yes. And I, I think that will be a tremendous aid to a lot of these women who opt for abortion uh, if they knew that their child could be taken care of uh, very well, they wouldn't opt for it. But but why do you think so many people, why do so many women choose abortion? Have you really devoted a lot of thought or attention to that question? The, the number one reason is finances, um, or one of the number one reasons, uh, fear not being able to give the child the life that they think that they're going to. Um, it's, it's interesting because if finances is 74, I believe 74% of the re women who have had an abortion say finances played a major role. Mm -hmm. If that's why they're having an abortion, I mean, my word, we can help them. Yeah. If that's the reason, if that's what's weighing on you, let us help you and walk this out with you. There are people willing to give. There are people willing to help. There are pregnancy resource centers all over the country who have, even if they can't provide it themselves, they know who can. They know who's in their community and what resources they can even reach out to to provide this stuff. So I, what I find is a fear is a lot of it. Um, I have somebody very close to me who has had some abortions and was uh, pressured by someone else. Um, I think that's a lot of it. And I, I was pressured, but I rejected the pressure, thankfully. Um, so I, I see many different reasons, but overwhelmingly, I think it's just the fear of the unknown and its finances. And they don't think that they're going to be able to do it. They don't know that there's resources. And when they find out that there are resources, they're like, wait, you'll help me? You're going to, you're going to let me, you're, you're going to give this to me for nothing in return. I don't have to do anything back. You're going to help me get a crib. You're going to help me get a stroller, a car seat. Like what? And then they're like, I, okay. Okay. If I have this help, then I think I might be able to do it. And so I think that's why it is so important for us to do this in the pro-life movement to, to continue to be there, to help these women, because finance is one of the number one reasons that they choose to abort. Well, when people see individuals like yourself where abortion was advocated, like your son where abortion was advocated, like uh, many well-known individuals who make great contributions to society, and they were not aborted. And look what happened. Mm -hmm. We really need to think from the womb to the tomb. You know, we're people. We're made in the image of God. We're not meaningless Amen. bunches of cells. And in the Bible, God says, I knew you before you were born. That means there's a purpose for each of us and for each of our lives. And uh, I think 
we have to resist the idea of just being callous toward people. And that brings me to my next question for you. How did you get so interested in school choice? (laughs) (laughs) So I actually did a speech on this yesterday here locally in fifth grade when my son was in fifth grade. uh, Okay. I'll backtrack here. I sent him to regular neighborhood school. I just thought that's what everybody did. Didn't really pay attention. In the fifth grade, he comes home. He's like, mom, my math teacher was telling me that Donald Trump is a bad president. And I'm like, okay, what does that have to do with fractions or decimals? You know, I don't, I don't care if you are pro Donald Trump or anti Donald Trump, but I mean, we've got a specific curriculum we're supposed to be sticking to here. And embarrassingly, I didn't say anything to the teacher. I should have, and I should have talked to her, but again, I was a young mom, didn't know what I was doing. I just kind of was a little hands off and I wish I had been more hands on. And then comes sixth grade, um, and COVID hit. And so everybody's going virtual. And I hear my son who's doing a Spanish class. I hear the teacher talking and he says that Spanish is a sexist language because it only has masculine and feminine forms for the words. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? Um, And during COVID, I'm sure there were teachers who handled it beautifully. I'm sure there were amazing people who, you know, did virtual classes and taught virtually. Ours didn't. They just handed out some stuff. He could do an entire day, six class, six to seven classes worth of work in like 20 minutes. I'm like, you're going to fall behind. There's no way that, I mean, I know every student is falling behind at this point, but I don't want you to. So I started looking around and seeing um, what else was available and charter schools who who didn't shut down and who weren't going to mask children and um, decided to look into something else. And I was like, I, I shouldn't have to send my child here to this school where they're not doing him any justice. He's, mm-hmm. he's going to be falling behind at this point, especially going virtual and they're indoctrinating him. They're putting their, asserting their own political agenda into the classroom. And look, I don't care if you are left, right, or center. I genuinely, you do you. I, I'm cool with that. Okay. Don't bring it into the classroom though. You know, don't come in and tell my kids how you vote. And something I said last night at my speech, I said, if you're a teacher and a student knows where you stand politically, you've already failed them. That's a very- if you're a teacher and they know how that you vote, you've already failed them. They shouldn't know that. You should be able to teach your topic. You could be very passionate about how you believe, but you should be able to teach your topic unbiased and allow students, you know, teach them how to think, not what to think. And so I, I've, I just started seeing so many issues. And then of course I started paying attention to the news and like, Oh my gosh, what's happening in these schools. This is so scary. I don't want a gender, yeah. uh, non-conforming shapeshifter or whatever that guy was that I t- told you about teaching my kid that he could be something other than what he is and what God made him. Absolutely. So I just, I had to hightail it out of there and I've gotten very passionate about school choice and I've gotten very passionate about they're not being indoctrination in kids' classes. And like, well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't push this in kids' classes or you shouldn't make it a Trump school or whatever. I'm like, you know, no, just teach math. That's it. Worldview happens around the dinner table at home. That's for mom and dad to impart to their children. That is not for some stranger teacher or teacher's assistant or anybody else to impart to children. Mom and dad do worldview. And as our families and our faith have declined, craziness has increased. Yes, <laughs> question about absolutely. It. We'll be right back with a closing comment 
from our fascinating guest. What would she have you do to help? We'll be right back. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Fascinating guest, Christine Jurgen. And Christine, I want to ask you, as a parting shot, what advice would you give to people who want to get involved with the pro-life movement, who want to get involved with school choice, who want to be involved with what's going on in their lives and in their communities? What would you say? Yeah. Yeah. This is a great question regarding the pro-life movement. I would say there's so many different ways to get involved. You know, you can just be a voice on social media if you want. You can volunteer at your local pregnancy resource center. You can pray outside of Planned Parenthood. You can work with your state legislature. I think people don't remember that you can call up your representatives and say, hey, I would like a meeting with you, Um, especially, especially if they ran on a pro-life message. You call them up and you make sure they're doing their job and say, hey, how can I help you write a bill? How can I help you push this? I mean, there are citizen lobbyists. You can go in there and say, I pay your paycheck. You work for me. Let's get some pro-life legislation going. Amen. And you can do it that way. Now, not everybody loves the politics route. Um, I, I enjoy that, but I also enjoy the hands-on with the women. And so I partner with pregnancy resource centers and I say, Hey, if you have a woman who is abortion minded and she needs some financial help, let me know. We'll do a fundraiser for her. We'll throw a baby shower for her. Everything that she needs, that's a tangible item. We will make sure that she has so that she can walk into motherhood on the right step. And you can find, start going to pro-life events, start going to fundraisers, start going to that. And you can build your pro-life community. And then you can be doing your own diaper drives or your own wipe drives or, or getting a bunch of layettes or or doing gift bags for these moms. Or eventually, if you build a big enough pro-life community or get your church involved, you can be doing whole baby showers. Um, And if you don't want to do, if you don't want to do all those things, you just don't have the energy, you can always write a check. There you go. If you don't have the time and you don't have, you know, maybe you're really, really busy, you can donate to these things. Hey, if you've got 
your last $4 in your bank account, I'll take it. Um, if you want to donate a penny to what we do, I'll take it. I won't put a penny to bad use. I can promise you that. So we, if you do see the people who are doing that and all you have is money to give, you don't have time. Maybe you have 15 kids or something crazy and you work or you're busy. That's totally fine too, but come alongside the people who do do it and, and give them resources to be able to do it more. And then with school choice, there's so many events happening right now. I mean, get involved, make your voice heard, watch what's coming down at the state legislature, especially a lot of places here in Colorado, anybody can go testify at the state Capitol, um, which is a big thing. And, and I, I say that everybody should know what's happening in their state. Please pay attention to what's happening here in Colorado. It's not school choice related right now, but there is a bill coming down that they're trying to make it a punishable offense for anyone who advertises or offers the abortion pill reversal, which is insane because the abortion pill reversal has saved so many babies. Yeah. So you really need to pay attention to what's happening so you can fight it. And with school choice, that's some one of the same things too. You need to be paying attention, go to events. Um, there are many organizations who do local events and you can get involved and start building that community so you can see where you fit in and how you want to help. Um, because sometimes you have to try a few different things before you find like, oh, this is my avenue. This is a lane that I want to be in. All right. Well, Christine Yeager, we are so happy to have had you today. Your enthusiasm, your passion is contagious. And uh, I, I hope people will continue to follow what you're doing and get involved themselves. You can make a difference. Thank you. And we'll be right back with my closing comments. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give. But what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are, too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. you enjoyed that discussion with Christine Yergen. She's a, a young woman who is extremely bright and uh, compassionate and energetic. 
and courageous. And that's the word for the week, courageous. You know, we can't get a lot of things done if we're not willing to stand up for what our beliefs are. And that's your prescription for this week. I want you to practice courage this week. Find an issue and stand up for it. Be an advocate. Don't be a wallflower. Start learning how to have an impact in the environment because God all made us for a purpose. And it wasn't just to be a decoration. Although I know some of you are handsome and beautiful, we also are intellectual. Thank you. And remember to subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And rate us, review us, tell your friends. And let's bring common sense back to America. And remember the cornerstones. Faith, liberty, community, and life. See you next week.